Our scripture lesson this morning came from the book of 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, and the reading commenced from the first through the 14th verses. I won't read the entire chapter. I just want to lift up verse 12. Well, actually, let me start verse 11. It said, but Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought, he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abna and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. I've often heard it said that there are no atheists in a foxhole. The implication behind the statement is that when you have found yourselves in a situation where your very life is at stake, it is the one time that you will tend to cry out to God for help even if you have a hard time believing in that God before. It is also the place where people suddenly lose their racism or their xenophobia or their homophobia or any kind of phobia or social ills or hang-ups that they may harbor in the hopes that the person they used to hate is able to help them out of their predicament. The truth is, if you are a white, racist, misogynistic, anti-Semitic bigot in need of a liver transplant, you will gladly take the liver of a black Jewish woman. Likewise, if you are a black homophobic elitist with your nose turned way up in the air, you will gladly take the liver of a Jewish homosexual man on welfare. Now I get it, and I understand it. We are not perfect. And that we all have our various prejudices and our various hang-ups. But the truth is, and it holds for many of us, that we often harbor anger and hate towards others simply because we think we can get along without them. And it's only at the moment when we realize that our very survival might depend on a relationship that crosses various social boundaries that we are willing to make an exception. So today, as I continue to emphasize this whole idea of community that I started talking about last week, I want to speak today on a message titled, quite simply, The Rock and a Hard Place. In 1907, the United States experienced a financial crisis that has now been known as the banker's panic. The financial crisis, it impacted many industries, but there was one industry in particular that had a really hard hit, and that was the mining industry. 
the miners and the mine workers, they were underpaid and, uh, as a result of the crisis, and they had really poor working conditions. And so what they did was they formed unions. And then they went to their senior management and they said, listen, we need better pay and we need better working conditions. Well, as many of you probably know the story, the management decided that they were not going to give in to the demands of these miners. And they says, as a matter of fact, not only are you not getting better wages or better conditions, but on top of that, anyone who complained, you're going to lose your job. And so the miners now were stuck. They had to now choose whether or not to continue working these low-paying jobs under these horrific conditions or, or complain about it and be fired and lose their employment, which would put them in an even worse situation because they won't be able to care for their families. The fact of the matter is these now workers were now struggling between what to do. History also records that one of the miners actually made this statement. He says, we are stuck between a rock because they used to work in a quarry and a hard place, meaning unemployment. Over time, that phrase took root, and by 1930, media outlets and everyone was using that term to describe whenever you get to an impossible situation. To be caught between a rock and a hard place means that you're stuck between two options, neither of which is something that you want. Well, well. For example, to be caught between a rock and a hard place is your spouse and your mother get into a fight and they're looking at you to do what? To pick a side. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Your parents divorce and you have to choose whether or not to live with mom or dad. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. Your boss needs a major report immediately for a major presentation and your son is expecting you to be at his first baseball or sporting event stuck between a rock and a hard place your 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 best friend and co-worker is stealing from the company and you know about it you're stuck between a rock and a hard place or how about you have to choose whether or not to keep your loved one on life support stuck between a rock in a hard place. So the general idea is that life often takes us to places where we have to make a decision between two realities, neither of which is desirable. This is what we find in our story and our text today. A man who is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Now by way of background, Naaman is a commander of the Aramean army. Naaman is a powerful general. Naaman has won many, many victories for the king of Aram. And, and, and because of all of these victories that Naaman has won, he has been given a place of high prominence. Naaman, however, was a leper. He had leprosy. Now, from a biblical perspective, leprosy was one of those bad diseases that no one wanted, not so much for the reason that there was no cure, but simply because it was highly 
contagious. No one wanted to be near a leper. As a matter of fact, if you read the biblical accounts, every time someone, a leper comes around, a leper has to announce themselves that they are lepers. So you have to walk around and say, leper, 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 come in, so that everyone can run out of the way. But despite being a leper, Naaman was a skilled military general. Now, Naaman was stuck between a rock and a hard place. Now, Naaman's wife had a servant girl that was Israelite, and she was captured. Now, she really cared and had compassion on her master, Naaman. And so she, she spoke to the wife, and she said, listen, I really wish Naaman would go see this prophet in Israel. If, 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 if he went to see this prophet in Israel, the prophet could help him with his leprosy. And so Naaman went to the king and said, listen, I think there's a prophet in, in, in Israel that can help me with my leprosy. So the king decided he would give Naaman a letter to take to the king of Israel on his behalf. And this is the, what the letter said. Now I'm just paraphrasing to give you a background of the story. The letter that Naaman, the leper, the leprous general, took to the king of Israel said this. It said, behold... I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you that you may cure him of his leprosy. This is what the king of Israel is reading. Now, the king of Israel, upon reading this, freaked out as you can imagine. Because he's saying to himself, am I God that I can give life or take life that I'm going to heal this man of his leprosy? And so the king tore his clothes King even went as further to say, I think this king of Arad, the Aram king, is trying to pick a fight with me. Now, when the king of Israel ripped his clothes after reading this letter, the prophet in Israel heard about it. And so the prophet in Israel sent word now to the king of Israel, and he said, listen, why are you getting all bent out of shape? Send Naaman to me. And so Naaman went now to this prophet in Israel. When Naaman got to the house of the prophet, Elisha the prophet didn't even come out to see Naaman. He sent his servant. And the servant went out and said, listen, this is what the prophet says you are to do, Naaman. You are to go to the Jordan River and you are to dip and wash yourself seven times, and you will be made clean. As the story tells us, Naaman, who we know is caught and stuck between a rock and a hard place, became furious. And he became furious, why? Because he's a military general. He's someone of high stature. He's an important person. And you mean, I come to your door, prophet, and you have the nerve to send a servant to talk to me? You couldn't even come and see me yourself? Do you know who I am? And so Naaman, in his anger, walked away, left upset, because he believes in his heart that the rivers of Damascus were far better rivers than the River Jordan. You see, you can be stuck between a rock and a hard place, having no way out. But your pride allows you to still stay in a place where you will continue to experience the very hardships that you are experiencing today. Many of us in life.
we, we, we have the solution, but we hold on to our pride because we think that we are far more important than we really are. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we ought not to think more what? Highly of ourselves than we ought to. So Naaman, despite being stuck between a rock and a hard place, chose to walk away from the very source of his healing. The Bible tells us that as Naaman was leaving in his anger, upset that this prophet Elisha wouldn't even come out to see me. You know who I am. But one of his servants says to him, Naaman, are you kidding me right now? If the prophet had asked you to do something difficult, you would have done it. And all he's telling you to do is to go wash seven times in dirty Jordan. What's the big deal? Why don't you just do what the man has asked you to do? Just do it. What do you got to lose? What do you have to lose, Naaman? So Naaman went to the Jordan River. And the Bible tells us, if you read the story, right, it said, look, it said, then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored. Watch this, like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. You see, Naaman with his leprous self had to come down off of his high horse and to do exactly what the man of God had told him to do. Many times when God is giving you a, 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 a way out, it will never often look the way that you expect it. And sometimes the way out of your situation comes from a place or a source or even a person that you least expect. Amen. So sometimes we're looking down on people simply because we think that we are higher than they are. Yeah. Meanwhile, they are the very ones that God has sent to bring you the hope and the deliverance that you're looking for. Many people keep saying, I pray, I pray to God, I pray to God, but God doesn't answer. Meanwhile, God has been sending you answers after answers, but it didn't look the way you thought it should. Sometimes people are looking for employment, and God says, start here at the bottom. And you're like, why am I going to start at the bottom? I've gone to this school. I've gone to that school. I've got this training. I will not lower myself to this level. Meanwhile, God was giving you a pathway. Hope springs eternal. And very often the Bible reminds us God's ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. I love to tell people that nine times out of ten, how I know when it's God talking to me or telling me to do something is often when it makes absolutely no sense. If someone says to me, you know, God is talking to me, but it makes absolutely no sense for me to do this or that. <laughs> you come to me, I'm going to tell you, sounds a lot like God to me. Because if you could figure out the way out of your dilemma, out of your situation, out of your problems, then guess what? You don't need God. You will be a God unto yourself. So God says, go dip into the dirty Jordan River seven times. God says, go and do what I've asked you to do. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, of course, the text tells us Naaman was healed. But there's a few things I want to pull out of the text for you to see and to contemplate and to consider before we close this message. Number one, Naaman, as I said before, was an Aramean general. 
and the Arameans were natural enemies of Israel. That's number one. Number two, Naaman was dying of an incurable disease and had no hope for healing. Number three, Naaman had an Israelite slave girl that had compassion on him. Number four, Naaman was desperate and he was willing to try anything even if it was coming from his natural enemy. And finally, number five, Naaman humbled himself and found healing from a most unlikely source. Five things that we could pull out of the text very easily. Now, I raise these points in order to show you that many of us in life are faced with similar dilemmas in our own lives. And, and, and even as we sit here today, there are things that you're all going through that while you may not have leprosy, you kind of are dealing with something that has placed you in a, between a rock and a hard place. You may not have leprosy, but, but maybe you're having a financial problem that seems to have no way of giving you any relief unless you consider taking another job or taking out another loan. You're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. You don't have leprosy, but you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You, you, you may be, for example, stuck in a job that has no potential for upward mobility unless you go back to school. But, but you're thinking that if I go back to school, it's too much work at this stage in my life. You're, you're, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You, how, about, how about you need to forgive someone? that you absolutely refuse to forgive, yet knowing deep down inside, unless you forgive them, there will be no hope for reconciliation. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And finally, and finally, you, you, you want to do more with your life, but you don't have and can't find work. You're, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. These are some of the times where we are confronted with our absolute weakness and our inability to solve our own problems. And that's why I'm saying it's just like Naaman having leprosy. You, you don't know how to get out of it, and you are stuck. This is an, these are obstacles in life that, that, that there seems to be no way out. No matter how you try, you try this, you try that, and it doesn't work. And that's why some people end up getting pushed into addictions because they become frustrated and depressed, stuck between a rock and a hard place. My brothers and my sisters, the question becomes, what do you do? Pastor, what is the hope that you have for me as I contemplate my own situation of being stuck between a rock and a hard place? Well, I want to show you something that you might not necessarily have picked up in my message. If you notice, all the examples that I've given you in this message, I was talking about being stuck between a rock and a hard place. You notice that, right? But the reality is my message is not really about being stuck between a rock and a hard place. My message, if you hadn't picked it up, is being stuck between the rock and a hard place. I, I, I don't know if you see the subtle difference. I am not saying my message is not about being stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm saying you're caught between the rock 
and a hard place. You see, a rock, which is a rock, which is also a hard place, is, is, is when you have debt and financial problems that have no relief. You're stuck between a rock. When, when your relationships are in need of, of, of forgiveness in order for reconciliation, reconciliation that you're stuck with a rock. It's when employment that have no future is at your heels and you're facing a dead end, you're stuck between a rock. It's health challenges in your bodies that seem to have no cure. You're stuck between a rock. It's families that can't seem to get along. All of that is a rock. And as long as we beat ourselves up against those rocks, we'll think we have no hope. But if we look again carefully at our text, Naaman had a disease that no one could cure except the healer in Israel. Yeah. You see, Naaman didn't need a rock. He needed the rock. Uh, Naaman got advice from a compassionate slave, this Israelite girl. You see, you see Naaman didn't need a rock. He needed the rock. I think you're getting it. Naaman sought help from a people he did not even like. You see, Naaman, Na Na Naaman didn't need a rock. He needed the rock. Naaman was desperate. He had nowhere else to turn, so he had to go to Israel's king. You see, Naaman didn't need a rock. He needed the rock. Naaman got his healing from a most unexpected source, the prophet in Israel. Naaman did not need a rock. He needed the rock. And the rock, if you haven't figured it out, is Jesus. You see, Jesus is the rock. He, 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 is, he is the rock in a weary land. He is the rock in shelter and times of storm. He is the rock, that stone that the builders refuse that will become what? The chief cornerstone. He is the rock. And, and the Bible tells us upon this rock I will build my church. He is, he is the rock. That foundation that has been laid deep. He is the rock of my salvation. He is the rock that Moses struck twice. He is the rock. My strong tower. He is the rock. A stone of stumbling. A rock of offense. Whoever believes in me should not perish or have. Oh, he is the rock. The rock of ages. That cleft for me. And, 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 and my favorite is, 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 watch this. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. The rock that is higher than I. So, so my brothers and my sisters, my message is really quite simple. I didn't come to give you a whole lot of theology this morning. I wanted you to understand that sometimes when you are stuck between a rock and a hard place, you need to find the rock because it's from the rock that your hope and your deliverance will come. <laughs> you see, the world can try to keep us down. But Jesus came. And the Bible says he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. You see, the subtlety in my message, and I kind of want to make sure you get it in your spirit, is that when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, your decision 
is difficult. It's difficult because if you go to a rock, you're going to beat yourself up against a rock and nothing will come from a rock. If you go to a hard place, nothing will come from a hard place. But if you're caught between the rock and whatever your hard places in life may be, the choice is easy. Because he says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. And I will give you rest for your weary souls. We're not preaching these messages because they sound good. It's because they bring life to us. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He is the rock. So, so, so Naaman, Naaman, desperate, not liking Israelites, just like many of us not liking people because of how they look or how they may think. Listen, I don't say you have to believe what other people believe. But what I'm saying is we serve a God that specializes in crossing boundaries. And sometimes when you cross a boundary, you get to see the beauty and the wonder of God. But if you're stuck in your prideful place, when you think that you know everything there is to know, then brothers and sisters, you're going to keep beating yourself against a rock. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm not a pastor following cleverly crafted fables and stories. I'm a witness to a God that says, whenever you come to the end of yourself, whenever you get to the place where you are completely broken, when you've got nowhere else to turn, yeah. when, 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 you, when you think that everything before you is out to destroy you, he says, listen, I've already made a way of escape. Seek me and you will find me. Ask, and it will be opened unto you. Knock, and the door will be open. Yeah. That's who Jesus is. That's the God we serve. And he is here for you. Yeah. He is here for you. So, so when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock. That's higher than I. That's Jesus. And so my brothers and my sisters, as we prepare to leave this place, I will not leave you uninformed. I will not leave you without hope. Your lives may be difficult and you may be facing challenging things, losses that we can't even imagine. Experiences that seem to be tearing at your very soul. Things that are so debilitating that you won't even share with those closest to you. What I'm telling you is that you don't have to stay in despair. What I'm saying is God is looking for your heart. He's not looking for your stuff. And here at this church, we could care less about your stuff. What we care about is your heart. Yes. Who are you becoming? 
Where do you turn when you feel like there is no hope? And I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way. And if you surrender to him in all sincerity of heart, he is faithful to perform and to do exactly what he said he would do. Many of us in here, we should have been dead a long time ago. Many of us, you should have been gone a long time ago. But for the grace of God. But for the Holy Spirit that says, hold on, keep on, because I will be there for you. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And the very same God that created the heavens and the earth and gave us even this wonderful spring-like day is the same God that wants to be there for you. He's the same God yesterday, he's the same God today, and he's the same God forever. So we're not a perfect church not by a stretch of the imagination, but we serve a perfect God. And he wants to be your rock today. So as I invite you all to stand at this time, if you are here and you feel like you are stuck between a rock and a hard place, listen to my voice, because I want to lead you to the rock. 